You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and the skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to the ProServe podcast with Collective 54, a podcast for founders and leaders of boutique professional services firms. For those that are not familiar with us, Collective 54 is the first mastermind community dedicated exclusively to helping you grow, scale, and maybe someday exit your professional services firm. My name is Greg Alexander, and I'm the founder of this great group, and I'll be your host today. And on this episode, we're going to talk about the life cycle of a firm. And what I hope to accomplish in doing so is to share some wisdom on how to compartmentalize your strategy. And what I mean by that is that our point of view is that growing, scaling, and selling a boutique pro-serve firm takes approximately 15 years. And there's usually three phases along the way. We call them grow, scale, and exit. And a firm moves from being what's called an intellect firm to a wisdom firm to a method firm. Now, that's a generic framework. And it's important to understand and have enough self-awareness to know where you are in your life cycle. Because the way that you manage your firm and the resources that you commit will change based on where you are in the life cycle. So we've got a great role model with us today. His name is Greg Hauschier. And uh, he runs a fantastic software development company in the healthcare sector. And he's gonna share his perspective with us on this. And he's, he's got his own life cycle, as I understand it. He's methodically processing a few phases along the way that have some, some uh, timestamps on them. So, so Greg, welcome to the show and, and please introduce yourself. Awesome. Nice to see you and thanks for having me. My name's Greg Hoshier and I'm a founder at Light Matter. We're on year nine of our business uh, and we build digital health products. So we design and develop software applications for the world's most promising healthcare companies with the ultimate goal of improving their lives of their patients. Very Our good. team is about 50 people based in New York and uh, happy to be here, Greg. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Fantastic. So I, I set it up talking about life cycle. Now, what I, from my understanding, you're deploying kind of a phased approach to the evolution of your firm. And I'd love to give you the floor and have you explain that to the audience. Yeah, absolutely. I think at a high level, when you look at the history of our company and the phases we've gone through, we have spent the majority of our time uh, stuck as many founders are of boutiques in phases where they can't achieve that escape velocity. And I think being very upfront, joining Collective 54 has helped us realize, hey, we can do things differently here. We have to get the right people in the right seats. We have to identify our high potentials. We have to also identify our top, top performers and get them in the right seats too. And I think looking at our company, that's something we didn't do soon enough. We had our founders, myself, my co-founder, working within the business, right? Doing client work for too long. And I think one thing that we have been very methodical about now is removing ourselves from that and learning how do we scale? How do we delegate work appropriately? 
And how do we have the discipline to follow the advice that's right in front of us? And that's a very hard thing to do. So tell me a little bit more about that, because you're right. This is a very common thing. Um, Particularly, we have quite a few software development companies in Collective. And right now, they're all doing very well, because as they say, software is eating the world. And and you're a great example of that in your niche. Um, Sometimes I find engineers, for lack of a better label, they love doing the work. So it's hard to give that up and focus on the business side of the firm. Um, And I think because of that, um, it takes too long to get to scale. Because as you pointed out, if you're doing the work, you're really not building the firm. There's only so many hours in a day. So you and your co-founder, are you engineers by trade? And does that portrayal accurately describe you or was there something else going on there? We are. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, engineers love to build. It's it's an addiction. It's so much fun. You have the power to create something and make magic happen with software. And with that comes design, right? Branding, product design, user experience, user interface design. So you kind of have this full conveyor belt and spectrum of tools and team members on your team to go and build. And I think what we didn't do soon enough, but have done now, and I'll say, as we specialized as an agency, right? We went from a generic uh, company uh, that's a dev and design firm, not focused on health to focusing on health around 2018. Then the pandemic came and we had an increase in business. In about two years, we tripled our revenue because we specialized and especially because we stopped doing client work. And we had a framework for doing that. We focused on what we call $10,000 an hour rate type of work, where if you think of what is the highest value task that you can do, your one or two key contributions to the company, what is that? And it's clearly not client work. What it is, at least for my role and responsibility, is removing myself from the sales process. That's one key contribution and something that I consider a $10,000 hourly task. Yeah. Another is ensuring our expertise is translated into our brand and our people through coaching. And when you take all the leaders on your team, whether it's your CTO, your head of marketing, uh, your head of, uh, you know, your creative, coaching them and getting them out of that client work is, it's invaluable. It's something that we have, uh, you know, what I would call uh, forehead tattoo worthy, where you put it up on your wall, you put it up on your mirror, you don't let anyone deviate from that because it's so easy. You want to make that client happy and you really want to make sure the project is correct. But you have to take a step back and say, if the work is 80 to 90% good to your standards, that is more than enough to delegate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're using some terminology that you and I have talked about personally. It's some of it's in the new book, The Founder Bottleneck, How to Scale Yourself. You talked about high potential employees and identifying who they are. And a high potential employee is somebody who, yes, is a top performer, but also has capacity to do even more. And a, a top performer is someone who's excellent at what they do, but they're probably tapped out in terms of their contribution to the firm. So when I hear things like $10,000 per hour task work and you know what is your key contribution to the firm, it really puts a smile on my face. 
and it takes us to this this life cycle question again, which is here you are in year nine and you're executing all these things and I'm confident it's going to result in an exponential increase in scale. A lot of our members haven't gotten to where you are just yet. They're still in those earlier days, that earlier part of the life cycle, and they haven't had the epiphany yet. You had an epiphany and said, okay, I've got to do this differently or else. Like, What was the, the aha moment that got you to realize you needed to do this? That is such a good question. And I, I wish there were a, a thought, you know, I had on a walk or a bike or just sitting at my computer that was kind of that lightning bolt. But uh, if I had to think of maybe a, time, a period of time where we realized, hey, th- this is how we kind of escape this. I would say it probably came during a period in the pandemic where we're all working from home. And you kind of have that pent up frustration of not being able to get in an office with your leadership team or even with your team members. Maybe you're fatigued from typing on the keyboard. You have uh, your kids home or your family home. And you think, is this it? Like, I've got a client call to do and it's 830 at night. And I've also got all these other chores and obligations. And I think at that moment, I realized, you know what? We have some people on our team who have been so loyal and so helpful and working with us for three, four, five. We even have one employee of our our boutique who's been with us for seven years. So almost the entire history of the company. And I think we realized at that moment, we need to delegate even more than we already are. It wasn't like we weren't delegating anything, but it came at a time when we said, there are some people we've promoted and we have been so pleasantly surprised by how well they've done wasn't sure if it was a title change or just a confidence boost. What happens if we do more of that? We need to take more experiments. We have to iterate. And at that moment, I think we kind of realized how powerful delegation is as a, as a framework. And it's, you don't think of it because you're too busy to, you know, get out of client work and look at yourself running the business. Greg, tell me a little bit about the personal benefit that you have received by having this new mental model and delegating more than you were previously? I think it frees up your time to focus on more important tasks for the business, those $10,000 know, an hour ones. And kind of like I've learned with Collective 54, right? The roles can be split up, but you have to have someone creating new lines of business, new revenue. You have to have someone closing that sale or being the face of the company. And then you have to have someone executing on the work. And those can be delegated to different people, um, maybe split if you're very focused on having a clear delegation of responsibilities. But we weren't doing the, you know, thinking of new business. That role was absent because I was the one, you know, finding the sales and closing. Our CTO was the one fulfilling the work with uh, the team he's empowered. And I think now what's allowed us to go from 15 to 50 people in just a year and a half, you know, and, and, and triple revenue to sustain that is having free time to allow the serendipity of our network and our sales close and to act on opportunities as they come rather than be reactive to the emails and the slacks and all the calls that come in. Budgeting time to allow that proactive behavior is the single most important task we've done. It's just a great, uh, a great example. And just to summarize this a little bit for the audience, you know, and I'll use the Collective 54 framework, three phases, growth scale exit, Typically, 15 years start to finish, five years in each phase. 
in the growth stage where Greg was previously, you're, you've launched your firm, you're in survival mode, um, you're doing everything, you're selling the work, you're delivering the work, you're recruiting the team, you're training the team, and that's appropriate in that stage. For those that are listening, if you're doing that and you find yourself in that scenario, keep doing it and, and don't necessarily work about scaling just yet. Right around year five, although that varies quite a bit, you're going to say, okay, so survival is no longer the task. I have a real business, happy clients, happy employees. We're producing a profit. I'm making a living. So now what do I want to do? Do I want to stick with a lifestyle business? Or do I want to scale it? And when I scale it, you enter the second phase. And the second phase requires a different management style, as Greg just laid out for you. It's a new life cycle phase. And in that case, it becomes, as they say, cliche, working on the business, not in the business. It becomes the business side of the expertise business. So, for example, you delegate. You locate who your high potential people are. You discuss what you want to delegate, when you want to delegate it, how you're going to delegate it. And if you're able to pull it off, you know, maybe you might go from 15 to 50 people and triple revenue in one and a half years. I mean, that's, that's the whole essence of life cycle management of a boutique professional services firm. Now, Greg, I'm going to ask you to project out into the future. Okay, so you're clearly in the scale phase right now and you're scaling very nicely. And hats off to you and all the hardworking folks in your firm. Um, when do you foresee going into the exit stage, if at all? And what do you think the management method needs to be when you do that? One thing that uh, I think is going to be critical for us to get to that phase, and I'm going to borrow another term from you, but it's uh, having our roles as executives, my co-founder and I, begin even thinking, we don't even have to worry about sales right now because we have a delegated sales process that is measurable with uh, our high potentials running it. So what do we do now? Uh, the term is talent supply chain management. Yep. All our role is now is focusing on finding quality people to fill in uh, delegated roles on that management chart, that org chart, that are key contributions. And as our company grows, we're going to be breaking roles apart because there's more to manage for each role. So my, you know, my founder and I were really thinking deeply about how do we find the best talent? How do we coach and train them? What's the right amount? Is it one day a week, eight hours, 10 hours, 15 hours? It'll vary. But I think if we really want to get to that exit phase, um, our marketing and sales is humming along. The work getting produced is you know better and better every year. Quality is getting higher. And so now it's a people problem. And at the top, all problems, I think, trickle up the sales and people. It doesn't matter if you're technical, if you're creative, learning to manage uh, others and be a leader is something that uh, we're focused on for the next four to five years as, as we uh, get towards exit. Great answer. The talent supply chain, it is key. You know, if you think about what a professional services business is, it's a people business. We sell ours. Now you may package them up however you want to package them up. Fixed bid, retainer, time and materials, performance-based, whatever you want to call it at the end of the day. Your inventory of the billable hours, which means the way that you grow and you scale and you exit is you produce more billable hours. Well, how do you do that? You hire more and more people. Clients hire you and then you deploy larger and larger teams at ever-increasing rates. That's how you scale. So what that means is you need access, regular, consistent access. 
the high quality raw material. If you think about your, yourself like a manufacturing company and you think and you use the, the metaphor, if you will, of a supply chain, what is your raw material? Well, your raw material is human capital. So building a repeatable, steady stream of high quality raw material that comes in that you then can train to do what you do the way you do it for your specific client base and out pops the other side, a finished product. And where we often get stuck on scale is we're always looking for, we never have enough people. Like we, I hear that all the time. And that's because you haven't built a system. You haven't built a supply chain. I mean, imagine a goofy example. Imagine Apple computer, you know, with the phones. Well, if they didn't have agreements in place with the raw materials, the chip makers, the glass providers, et cetera, they wouldn't be able to keep up with demand. It's the same thing in a professional services business, so you need a talent supply chain. Listen, I could talk to you about this forever, and I can't wait for our member live Q&A session. It's going to be extremely well attended, and there's going to be a ton of questions. But today we're, we're, we're just uh, you know, having a summary conversation of it. And it was, it was wonderful to speak to you about this in particular. And we love having you in the group. So thanks for being here. Thanks, Craig. It's been great and uh, happy to help and uh, appreciate the time. Okay, fantastic. So if you're a founder or leader of a boutique pro-serve firm and you want to belong to a community of peers and meet great people like Greg, consider joining Collective 54 and you can apply for membership at collective54.com. And if you want to educate yourself more on topics like this one, subscribe to Collective 54 Insights, which you can also find at our website, collective54.com. There we have um, a chart of the week, which is a ex visual expression of benchmarking data. We've got a uh, award-winning blog. We've got the weekly podcast. We've got a best-selling book. So lots of good stuff there, and, can, and give that a try. And uh, for those that are listening, that... that uh, Tune in every week. I appreciate you very much, and thanks for listening. I look forward to the next episode.